Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. As you can hear in the background, the streamers are out. Things are being just tidied up in the last moments before the Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 hours this weekend. This is our now traditional visit to the uh, National Motor Racing Museum here at Bathurst. And Brad Owen is standing outside the sunshine with me here, as is Johnny Palmer. Now, JP, you've been here before, but not for a decade. It was 2010, uh, October 2010, when I came out for the 1,000 Ks and two unknown blokes called Craig Lowndes and Mark Scape won that race. And after that, I think on the Monday morning after the 1,000, I came in here and had a little look around. I'm reliably informed by Brad that I'm not going to recognise this place. It has changed so much in two years, let alone a decade. So I'm really looking forward to this visit. Well, bear in mind, I was last here, I think, in Easter, and it's changed since Easter, and that's why we're back again. Shall we get inside in the air, Cumbra? It sounds like a great idea, John. Let's do it. Thanks for having us back here uh, again. I'm, I'm dying to see Johnny's face when we walk in here. OK, so this hasn't changed. This is the shop that we keep uh, stocked up with goodies. But this is new, straight away on the left-hand side. Absolutely. So last September, we opened our immersive room. Uh, we worked on this for a little while. There used to be the old theatreette with the traditional tiered seating and the blow-by-blow, year-by-year description of what happened up here on the mountain. We went, you know, I think it's 2019, we can do better than that. So uh, in June last year, we got 11 of the cars out of the museum that belonged to the council, sent them down to the workshop for a bit of a checkover, including a few great race Bathurst 1000 winners, and took them out on the track, got some local guys with some drones, some cameras, and took people on an immersive experience around Mount Panorama. Let's have, have a look. Let's have a look, then. All right. Well, we've got to be a bit quiet in here at the moment. Oh, right, so the first thing is it's three screens, and sit at the back, you are literally feel like the cars are driving past your feet here. Oh, this is exciting. Hang on, stick me head in. So this is, this must have took a bit of putting together. I don't want to spoil everybody's fun here, but you've had to sync up footage from different cameras, from the race footage of the Supercheat or, or Bathurst 1000 with the old footage as well. So this is not the work of a moment, Brad. Absolutely. You know, this is one of those ones that we took all of those great things from all the fantastic motor racing films, Le Mans, Grand Prix, some of the great stuff, and the moments from Bathurst history. We talked to the rights holders. Channel 7 have a lot of the old footage. Supercars Media have the, the modern stuff. We got some of that. But behind all of that, and you'll see when the other part of the program starts, we've got our cars going around and showing off the mountain in chronological order because that's the way my brain works, that it has to be in the right order. Going from oldest to newest and making uh, making people really get an appreciation of the mountain. I'm loving seeing that Mini up there, and there was the Ford Cortina I saw a moment or two ago. The, oh, I mean, this is just classic stuff for anybody who grew up watching the James Hardy 1000 or the Bathurst 1000. That's, I mean, I go all the way back to the James Hardy 1000 that we used to see in the wintertime uh, in the UK. Normally, we'd, we'd see the highlights around about January. I'm going to move out. We'll come back and see this properly later, but I don't want to spoil what's going on there. Now, 
the whole point of this when I spoke to you before, we had the Lounsey exhibition the last time that I was here, which was extraordinary. Uh, what, how, how was that received, first of all, Brad? We actually had, from February to April last year, a record crowd at the museum. So it was the first really big special exhibition we'd done since I've been at the museum. Uh, it was really well supported. Um, obviously, Craig and Lara Lowndes loaned us some amazing items, some trophies, uh, their Cortina road car, uh, and, and a whole bunch of stuff from their history. And that was really good. So since then, we've had uh, an exhibition in last October about the... 40th anniversary of race cam being introduced to Australia in 1979 and the career of Peter Williamson who was one of the first drivers to carry the race cam and now this week for the 12 hour weekend we've uh, got a got a, something different and it, I guess John and Johnny it's more up your street I reckon. It's right up our street JP you recognise some of these? Just a bit I'm just looking over at the 912 car there because amazing memories from 12 months ago particularly from Matty Campbell in that final stint but yeah I GT3's galore right in front of me and through the ages as well, brilliant. Uh, what I like to see as well is the fact that we've got the, a bath that so captured people's imagination with um, a bath and, and FCA in Australia deciding to debut the car in Australia by racing it here at the 12 hours and it was extraordinary. I remember them giving all the marshals uh, some sun cream and a little seat and a, and a backpack and, and a, a letter signed by, I think it was the chief executive from down here that said, thanks very much, particularly for those of you who are going to be waving the blue flags because you're going to have them out for us a lot. We, I mean, that, that's the essential part of racing here at the mountain, that this is a people's race. It is, absolutely. And, you know, they're very well remembered. Um, and you look at it and you go, it's a modern Fiat 500, how fast can they be? These things were actually doing lap times quicker than the Falcon GTHO Phase 3, the biggest, scariest, fastest of the Aussie muscle cars of the 70s. And this thing was faster than it, and it's a shopping cart, realistically. I know, so, I know somebody who's run a couple of these. They, they're, they're, they're very good stuff. Now, this is the perfect example, isn't it, of what we're looking at here, of how you can react to your situation here you are at the mountain it's the 12 hours this weekend we've got the next six hours in april which is a few months away and the bulk of these cars will be staying on up until that time absolutely we uh, we ha unfortunately have to say goodbye to maddie campbell's 2019 car straight after the 12 hour weekend but the other 10 cars in the exhibition we're planning to have them here until easter so for the crowd coming up for the six hour for everyone traveling between february and april these cars will be here on show in this exhibition and what we've got here johnny if we stand over here here's the rx7 the gary walden and mark scaife car now, you look at that, and then you look at some of the more modern GT3 cars, it just shows, Brad, how this race, the 12 hours, has come along in a relatively short space of time. Absolutely. You know, this is the early days when it was a production car race. Having said that, I was lucky enough with the owner of this car to get uh, a couple of laps around Sydney Motorsport Park uh, earlier on uh, in de December, and for a 25-year-old production car on road legal slicks, and this thing is road registered, it's a pretty quick car. And it wasn't until a GT3 Cup Porsche went past us that you realised it wasn't quite as fast as a modern car, you know, doing the same tra track. But it's got a rotary engine, so it has that particular sound as well. Uh, Subaru Impreza. Now, Subaru have got a big history here at the mountain. Um, we think of the battles, of course, between the Subarus and the Mitsubishi Lancers, and in production car terms, those were the two big brands here for a while. 
Absolutely right. You know, th- those two cars plus the BMWs were really, uh, really quite successful. The interesting thing about this car, and if, uh, the Subaru spotters will pick it straight away, it doesn't have the letterbox scoop on the bonnet. This is a naturally aspirated, so it was a class car, but it was run by Team Bathurst, so three Bathurst drivers, Bathurst sponsors, Bathurst guys in the pit crew. They won their class in 2009 and 2010, so it's a cool local car with a good story. And Shane Sainz, by the way, still wrapping cars here this weekend. Shane is... Uh one of the absolute superstars. Now, now, as far as I'm concerned, you can't talk about drivers from this part of the world in endurance racing if you don't talk about Mal Rose. We've had him all over the world, Nürburgring uh, as well, of course, and, and here is one of his cars from, well, now, what year is this? This one actually ran the Bathurst 12 hour in 2013 in the Invitational class. Yes. It's a class winner, but it's a car that actually started life with Gary Rogers Motorsport as a V8 supercar. It was um, Jamie Wincup's very first supercar. This is it. It was then after the team had finished using it. Uh, it had gone across. Uh, it was used as a pit stop training car. It was used as a ride car. Then they sold it to Mel Rose. Mel took some of the Monaro technology from the 24-hour race, so it's got the sequential gearbox, the 18-inch uh, wheels, all of that gear took it to Europe, raced at the Nürburgring, raced at Spa, did some races in Sepang, did Dubai, and then came back, and its final race was the 12-hour in 2013, and it won its class, and it hasn't been touched since. So when you see the front of the car, it's got race tape, it's got dings and scratches. It's awesome. That's because it's telling a story. Absolutely fantastic. Malrose, one of the real characters of the sport. We know him well from the Nürburgring. No, it never really does have dings and scratches and race sprayers and all of that. Now, which side do you want to go, left, left or right here, Brad? Your choice, John, you know, it's all your thing. <laughs> Come here, what's your, what's your name, madam? My name's Kate. Uh, and where are you from, Kate? I'm from Grenfell. So what are you doing up here? You come for the race this weekend? I'm officialing this weekend. Are you? Well, thank you very much indeed for all your hard work. This museum is someplace. Have you been here before? I have been here quite a few years ago, but we decided to come back. We thought it might be a bit cooler in here today. And it's changed massively, I would think, since the last time you were here. A lot of the displays have, yes, yeah. But it's always interesting to come back and see what's new and exciting and interesting. Well, thank you for supporting the, the museum and for all your hard work at the race. No worries. Well, Kate wanted us to go this side, so let's go this side. Well, it's not often anywhere that you can get 100% of the cars that won any particular race. Now, <laughs> we cheated because they only ran two Bathurst 24 hours, but we got both the cars. And we think... It might not be the first time that these two cars have been next to each other since 2003, but it certainly hasn't happened very many times at all. Yeah, they're not close enough. Well, true, <laughs> they were much closer at the finish line, weren't they? They, uh, they really had a great battle. The last couple of laps of that 20, uh, 2003 race, they were fighting all the way to the end. Garth Tander and Greg Murphy, they, uh, they really gave it quite the battle. Brock, Murphy, Bright and Kelly. I mean, what? What a foursome on there. So which, this, this is, this was, this is was, the Monaro, yes. So this is 2002, the first yes. one. Garth Tander, Steve Richards, Cam McConville and Nathan Pretty. Yeah. Uh, and then the next year this car ran and then with the, uh, the Brock and Murphy crew, uh, they actually won the race. But this car stayed on uh, until 2004 in the Nations Cup GT racing series and it is in the condition that it last finished its final race at uh, Wakefield Park park in Goulburn with Nathan Pretty driving it. Still owned by Gary Rogers' team. When the, uh, the team were up here for the Bathurst 1000 last year, I talked to Gary and Barry Rogers and said, can I borrow your car because we've got the red one on display at the museum? They said, yeah, absolutely. So we've, uh, we've got the two of them back together for this exhibition. 
do you find now, now that you've got your feet under the table here and now that the vision of what this could become here at the museum is beginning to take shape you seem to have an embarrassment of riches all the time Brad so every time you ask for something you seem to get more than you anticipated surely that's a testament to Bathurst Regional Council to you your team and to the regard that the museum is held by Australian Motorsport. Absolutely. We can't thank the teams enough. We've had Techno, we've had Erebus and we've had GRM just in this exhibition, the top flight teams that are still running cars, and you just have to go and say yes. And in fact, we have 11 cars here on display. I probably didn't expect to get so many yeses. I kept, <laughs> I kept asking for cars just as an insurance in case I had a couple of no's. As it turned out, they all said yes, so we had to find room for 11 cars. And it is really... Um, it's great that everyone loves the museum, everyone's supportive of the museum, and it's not just the teams, it's the big collectors, it's the private owners, it's the people that have always had these cars and they know what we're doing here is great. This is a great place for the museum and it's really fantastic that they are behind what we're doing here. It's awesome. Now, of course, in recent years, and certainly since Johnny and I and the Radio Show Limited team have been here, it's been the growth and growth and rise and rise of the GT3 version of the race still multi-class race even this weekend but we've looked at some of the cars that really put this race on the map in both 12 and 24 of course let's remember there's a couple of 24 hour races in the history here as well but to see these two holdens sitting next to that bentley continental is actually a perfect illustration of how the race has changed yeah absolutely you know you you look at the way that GT3 has grown globally, but the impact that it's had on the race here at Bathurst, and it is incredible. You know, we're lucky enough to have one of the Audis of the sort of similar spec in that early days, and there's a heck of a lot of production car in that. There's a lot of things that are still made out of steel rather than carbon fibre over the, over the shell. Uh, and then the further you step through those cars up to the 2019 cars, it shows how that technology, how that's changed, but also that reflects back on the stature, stature of the race as well here in Bathurst. And on the other side, uh, we've got Audi, as Brad said. We've got the Erebus Mercedes. Now, which one is this one? All right, this is a Thomas Jaeger car. Right, well, Thomas, absolutely instrumental with AMG as well, of course. Betty Clemenko, the first lady of Australian motorsport still. And she really got this race. She really got this race. And I've got to say, I think she was an important part of the GT3 race in the early years. She got on television. She spoke her mind, because that's what she does. And I think people sat up and took notice. Absolutely. You know, people absolutely love Betty and they see her passion for the sport. And yeah, she doesn't fit the mould. And that's, I think, what people love about her as much as anything else. But the fact that's is. It's an Australian tradition, though, isn't it? Almost being the outlier is, is actually standard. It is kind of what we do, absolutely. But you look at this car and, you know. This car won in 2013, and Bern Schneider was driving it. So you're talking Mercedes-Benz royalty here, and her little team here in Australia got them out here, and as it turned out, they would bring Mercedes-Benz into supercar racing. Kind of kicking and screaming, but they did it. And, you know, that was because of her drive and Started her right leadership here. of the team. Yeah. Absolutely right. Now, McLaren sitting alongside here as well. Who can forget the techno bright orange car? Uh, we've got McLaren back, of course, this year with the new 720S this seems. Look, I know we have a good-hearted um, rivalry between 
England and Australia, particularly when it comes to sports and very particularly when it comes to cricket. But there's something about British cars and English cars in particular that the Aussies seem to take their heart. They love the big V8 Bentley, what's not to like, but they like the V6 technology of the McLaren as well. Yeah, um, I don't know what it is. You know, it's that sort of unquantifiable thing about these cars and, and these exotic cars really do kind of get the imagination of the punters and yeah it does seem the British brands and Bentley people are absolutely crazy about Bentley they've never won the race but they are the Yet. fan favourite that's correct there's always this year to come isn't there and you know if, if the cars win the race on the basis of their looks like those new Bentleys do look pretty special JP's been wandering around with us Johnny Palmer the early doors of the race particularly with the, the rotary engine Mazda there and some of the, the cars that had supercar routes the contrast between those and where the race is this weekend is extraordinary. Yeah, I, I mean, I draw similarities with the Spa 24 Hours, which used to be a production Very car category as well. I was chatting to a guy earlier on who still calls the 1,000Ks the touring car race because, you know, you go, that goes back so many decades too. I think it's important not to forget about the history of these these big races that have now escalated into the current regulations from the FIA. That's great because it confirms what we've got, 33 GT3, full-fat GT3 cars on the grid. But I think it's important not to forget where it's all grown from. And, though, yeah, those little Masters were the car to have back in the day. Just looking at a Mercedes SLS, you know, the engine technology is not that different in that car from the Mercedes Evo we've got for the first time in these new regulations for this year's race as well. So it's important. I mean, that's the great thing about a museum. You kind of go, oh, yeah, that car's won this race or that car's done really well in the past. And because there's so much new all the time in motorsport, you're constantly moving on to the next thing. It's great to look back at times as well. Yeah, and Audi, the only back-to-back winner in the GT3 era as well. Well, we come right up to date with the 912 from last year in the Kiwi colours, Earl Bamba Motorsport. Now, Earl Bamba Motorsport back for 2020, wearing the number one. Uh, they've split elements of the team up because Dennis Olsen's in one car, Matt Campbell's in another, Dirk Werner's in another, and the team are running another. So they've really hedged, hedged, their, hedged their bets there. But this is a really important car. It was the end of this iteration of Porsche race car in, in this category. It was the very last version of it, and it was the first time that the GT3R and Porsche had won this race. Absolutely, and you know, you think about endurance racing, and Porsche is the brand. They have won everything, so the Bathurst 12-hour was really missing off their, uh, off their list of victories. So that win last year, I think, has probably redoubled Porsche's efforts this year, and you can see they've gone, right, they've got a taste for winning this event at Bathurst, and they've come back with absolutely all guns blazing. So this, this event without sadly this car after this weekend but this event will continue till when Brad? Uh, we're going through until Easter so for the, uh, for the fans through the summer period here in Australia and also the guys that are coming out for the six hour for the production car race the uh, exhibition will still be running until then. And what can you tell us about your plans for the future? Don't have to give us any trade secrets but give us, I do really kind of want you to do that to be honest. <laughs> yeah look um, we've still got a few really cool cars lined up to come and go um, my vision really is that we'd like to have other than the museum 
collection cars, which we have 17 of our own cars in the collection, I'd like to think that everything else might sort of spend two years here at the most and then head off. Um, our motorbike display is pretty huge. We've got about 55 bikes. Some of those have been here for a long time, so we need to give that a bit of a birthday this year. And I have a couple of ideas for a, a, a topical exhibition in October for the 1,000. Uh, and we've just got to do a few negotiations and work out how many cars we can fit. You know, 11's a pretty kind of good number but it's really hard work getting them all in and we'll see what other stuff we can find between now and then. Because presumably you don't want one exhibition to take over the whole museum. It's got to be representative enough to make sense, but small enough not, not to, for you to have to clear out and change vast swathes of the, of the building. Yeah, well, that, that's very true. You know, there's, there's a limit with our resources, both dollars and people, how many cars we can move at any one time. Um, lining them all up with owners, you know, they can be spread all around Australia. Um, you know, the techno came from down from, uh, from Queensland. We had cars from Melbourne. So that is a, a pretty big logistical effort. Um, but I think when you look around, you think it's definitely worth it. Um, and we do try and tell more than just the one story. So we try and tell the story of Mount Panorama. We try and tell a bit more of a general story about Australian motorsport. And I think... It's the National Motorsport Music. Correct. Motor racing music. Correct. You know, so, you know, there's things like rally. There are things like off-road. There are things like endurance racing. All of these parts of the sport that we try and at least have a little bit of coverage of. And those special exhibitions that we do twice a year will hopefully put a spotlight on some of those. And then we'll go and talk about the next thing six months later. And, and that's still the vision. Ready for a wander around? Because obviously we're going to stop recording shortly because we've done the bit that we need to do uh, for the new... But you've not seen any of this? No. No, this is totally new. Uh, all the rooms were about the same size 10 years ago, but, I mean, the lighting's improved. The use of space, I think, is so much better as well. It's the memorabilia as well, what you see? in the distance, those huge muscle cars that used to rage around here in, what, the 70s and early 80s. Oh, wait till you get in there. Right, I can't gonna, wait. I right, can't wait. Right, we're going we're gonna to terminate the, uh, the show now. Brad, thank you, as ever. Can't wait to come back again in Easter and see what else is planned. Thanks for giving us so much of your time. Well done to you and your team. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, John. And it is always a pleasure to have you guys back here. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.